everybody, you're listening to So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Garrett. I'm David. Today on the show, we are going to wrap up the... No, we're not wrapping up. We're not wrapping up. I forgot. Oh, I forgot. We don't? Yes. I was going to say we're wrapping up Men in Black with Men in Black 3, but that's not true because we still have Men in Black International to do. As far as I know. Technically a sequel. We're wrapping up the original content the original series yeah. yes yes oh my god i forgot the original about trilogy. Black we're gonna include it for now we're gonna include it as all part of one trilogy we haven't decided on on some other groups like that like we did the star wars trilogies as individual groups true if we ever do jurassic parks we might do those as like the first three and then like this new jurassic mm-hmm. world series or we could do it all as one six movie series oh, yeah but you have to do this one because it's the only other one like, there is no other one with Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth. Thank no, you. not yet. And probably never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably never. We can only hope. But anyway. That conversation back to, for next week. <laughs> yeah, that's for next next time. Uh, this time, we, we are talking about Men in Black 3, which came out in 2012, I think. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. May, May 25th, 2012, I believe. That's Memorial Day weekend. It is. Um, again... Barry Sonnenfeld is back with Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, this time bringing into the mix Josh Brolin, Jermaine Clement, uh, Emma Thompson, and surely some others, but those are the main the main folks. Bill Hader, Will, Will Arnett. Those are some yeah, fun Will guys. Arnett, the we have, yeah, yeah. Um, Alice Eve plays the Alice young Eve, version true, of Emma, Emma, Tom, uh, Emma Thompson. Yeah. But not... Yeah. Uh, not not to not necessarily in a large role, right? Um, so in this movie, this is again several several years, ten years in fact. Ten years after later. after Men in Black Two, um, Will Smith or Agent J is ba- is essentially sent back in time mm-hmm. to go stop Jermaine Clement's bad guy, um, Boris. Boris the animal, just, just Boris. Boris. <laughs> just because he wants to, um, he wants to kill Kay before he before he blasts Shoots off his arm, arm right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So Agent J has to go back in time to help him. It's pretty cool. I thought. I mean, you got Josh Brolin yeah. playing a young Tommy Lee Jones. Most of the movie is set in 1969. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. So how did everyone feel about this movie, First Impressions? Go. Much better. Yeah, I would agree. Cool. Tom, I've seen Good talk. No, no, no. I was playing I chicken was gonna, with Garrett. I wanted yeah. to see. <laughs> David always wants to go last. He thinks he's more important than everybody. No, I just don't, want to, I don't, want, to, I don't want to dominate the conversation. I know it's That's going to happen, but I like to delay it for as long as possible. <laughs> no, delay the inevitable. Um, I haven't yeah. seen it before. This is the first time I've seen it. Um, I don't know why. I'm in the theater. Um, and then I just never was in a position to sit down and watch it. Uh, but, man, it was really good. Uh, Fresh air compared to two, which I liked two. Um, but as of now, you can, I mean, after watching this, it's a bad to the original, and that's much needed after two. This is definitely the shot in the arm that my black needed. <laughs> Strangely, yeah, it's uh, same, same story as Garrett. Never saw it. I remember being 
for being younger and really wanting a Men in Black 3. Um, uh, when I was like, Men in Black 2 wasn't necessarily like my favorite movie ever, but I really liked the two movies and I really liked the idea of Men in Black. And so for like 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008, I'm just like begging, can we get another Men in Black movie? Like Men in Black is so cool. I was the same way I wanted a Jurassic Park 4. I really, you know, I liked Jurassic Park as a franchise. Um, I really like the first two, and I, I think the third one's not as bad as everybody says. I know it's not great, but it's not as bad as everybody says. So I, those are like two franchises. I was like, why do we never get any more, more movies with these? They're so good, or they're so fun. And um, by 2012, I checked out. And so, and Men in Black 3 didn't, from the way they marketed it in my memory, look that great. That said, first time watching it, honestly, a little bit blown away that it was as enjoyable and as fun as it was. So this was the first time for both of you two. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. That's, that's an intri- I like that dynamic. Two of us have seen it before two for the first time. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I felt the same when it came out that I was pretty surprised that it was as good and fun as it is. And I felt the same now having watched it again. Um, it held up. I was afraid that it wouldn't. I was afraid that I had like built it up in my memory of, oh my gosh, this is so much better. Uh, but yeah. no, I was I was very happy that it was still very funny. I think it might be the funniest of the three so far. Mm. It was really funny. I quite hey, enjoyed it. Was. Like, it is laugh out loud funny on several occasions, and most of it is because Will Smith has such a great line delivery. Yeah, and definitely this one, maybe because of your experience with the first two, this one, I felt like compared to two, is much more, the humor is much more character-based than gag-based. Yeah. Yes. Um, so the, the real change. comedy comes with the, the dynamic between the characters of J and K. And luckily, Josh Brolin in the role of K seamlessly picks up the, 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 the role. Yeah. Um, and the, the dynamic is just as good. Um, yeah. Completely believable opinion. as a young K. They have really good chemistry, really good back and forth. And even as I've watched these movies in a row now, really that Jay, who doesn't grow up with a father, really looks at K as a father-like figure. And even whenever he goes back in time, you see that dynamic. He's really, in this movie, he's really trying to understand and wants to know more about his backstory and, and really kind of connect with him on a more than just a partner level. And he, that's what he's been seeking this whole time. He's either been seeking approval or trying to prove himself or in this case, again, trying to have that deeper connection because you see how much Jay really cares for Kay and you can see that being picked up when he goes back in time with a young Josh Brolin or young K as Jocelyn there, there's nothing lost there. It seems like it picks up just so easily. Yep. Agreed. 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 It's kind of like, I mean, you could make, you could make the joke that um, Josh Brolin is just doing like the longest Tommy Lee Jones impression, but it's not really that he has like, he, I feel like he did a great job of really finding the character, not just, not just Tommy Lee Jones's, way of performing it, but finding like the things that that character, his mannerisms and his, 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 his gravitas in a scene 
his interactions are really funny and it's kind of fun to see K at the age we, we probably would assume uh, that Jay is supposed to be. You know, I don't know how old Jay is supposed to be here in his like mid thirties and K is claiming to be 29, but it feels like what K would be like when he's younger. Yeah, you forget uh, pretty quickly that it's not Tommy Lee Jones and yeah. not in the sense of they're irreplaceable or they're interchangeable, but that you just accept like that this is who K is now. And it's not, it's not that big of a jump because of how good he is at getting those mannerisms down and getting the character down so that it does not feel like an impression. It feels like he embodied the character. Mm-hmm. And um, as far as the uh, plot of the movie, you know, I remember when they were marketing it and when they, when they said they were going to do time travel or when they, when I saw that in the trailers, there's going to be time travel. I kind of checked out whenever they were, they first announced it. I was like, no, it's hacky. It's time travel. It, it feels tacked in and it feels like a it feels like an excuse to not have Tommy Lee Jones in the movie. And at the time I'm thinking the whole point is Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. So like, what, why, why bother? So it was a turnoff in, 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 initially and having now seen it though, I felt like this was one of the more interesting ways I've seen time travel done. Yeah. So the idea, according to the Wikipedia page, which you can find online, obviously, <laughs> um, the idea was originally pitched by Will Smith during Men in Black 2. Yeah. Uh, according to this, it says he suggested that his character travel back in time to save his partner and exploring his backstory. Um, Sonnenfeld said it took a long time because of the nodding issues with time travel. Yeah. So, I mean, I always just assumed that they did the time travel situation because Tommy Lee Jones wasn't interested in doing a third one, but I don't believe that's the case. It's, I mean, as I continue to read this, it sounds like he was also down to do a fourth one after this movie was done. Um, it was just the, the script of the movie, which again, I very much enjoyed. Good job, Will. Put him in charge of more things. What do you think, Andrew? I think that overall, it, it was way better ever. And I love how they, how they got the t- time travel aspect uh, correct in the film. That's what I took away. That's what I took away the most from this movie. And, and when I take a look, look at, at it now, it's like, okay, that was actually, actually uh, one of the better efforts of time travel recently in, in film. Because when you think of time travel in film, you think of like Back to the Future or, or just uh, like Back to the Future is the first thing that comes to mind. Right. And right now, Bill and it's, Ted. it's just, um, it was overall very fun to play around with. And it's cool to see how like the beginnings of the Men in Black came about. Yeah, that sort of uh, uh, throwback to the '60s Men in Black. Um, it's really cool. Like you know, and it it feels like they did Men in Black International. I don't want to focus on Men in Black International for this, but it feels like if they were setting up any kind of future Men in Black series out of this movie it should have been a retro Men in Black series. Mm-hmm. That would have been cool. Men in Black set in like the 60s or 70s where you can kind of have a little bit more fun with the ass, the idea of, you know, 
aliens walking among us in like a real in like different time periods because that i thought that that whole area was really cool um well skipping forward a little bit in the movie bill Hader as agent w playing andy warhol uh undercover that was really funny to me it's uh, a great so, bit i, I love that whole yeah. bit and i could see a whole movie not just now not necessarily based on around bill Hader, but just based in that time period because yeah. 60s 70s they were strange times aliens would fit right in and the, the main runtime for all of these movies is around an hour, an hour and a half. Uh, this one in particular, I wish it was a little bit longer. It did seem to go pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. Especially towards the end. Like, it felt like the, 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 the final act was just like done. Like, figure like, like, it out, figure it out, figure it out. Yeah. Like, the second they show up to, like, I, I know you kind of want that, but the second they showed up to the. Uh, launch site. It was just like, bip, 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 and we're done. Yeah, but yeah, that was a cool sequence. Um, I like that fight on the launch pad, with the rocket about to take off. But I also really liked the time travel sequence as Jay is falling from the building, mm-hmm. and he's just like going through time as he falls. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, like he yeah. like some, some of those. The Some of the CGI doesn't really hold up, but whatever. Yeah, I Fine. was thinking the same thing. That's yeah. the problem. That's that's you can't but fault you know, it. That's the technology of the time. You yeah. know what though? It holds up within the Men in Black movies. Yeah, like it kind of like even though like it's come like it's a little bit more forward than Men in Black two and one, obviously. But like, it's not like uh, it kind of like watching them all together. That really kind of like I was like, yeah, this looks like a Men in Black movie. All the element, all the special effects aren't super but they're good enough well and, and, and also, also these movies are so practical whenever it comes to their effects because it relies heavily on on uh, makeup mm-hmm. yes yeah. mainly all the aliens in, in all of these movies are real like they're they're actually walking uh, they're actually walking around you know they have makeup effects and whatnot yeah but yeah like yeah, I don't know where I went wrong in terms of computer effects. It, just one of those yeah. things, I guess. I mean, this this movie was, uh, I believe, nominated for an Oscar, and the competition was nominated for best visual effects. Competition was stiff. If you look at the other movies' visuals that that came out there, you can't blame it on 2012 because yeah, yeah. you had this was the year that like, Avengers, Hobbit, uh, one either two, one or two came out. Um, Life of Pi came out that year. So it's like, you can't really blame it on 2012. Uh, I just, right. it might not be something that was as much a focus. They had monster creator Rick Baker back. So right. the practical aliens do look fantastic. Yep. I agree with that. You'd mentioned the humor, Josh, and yep. I took note because <clears throat> it really did back up with the humor of the original one. I, I noted that there was one joke that could have, like, I feel like would have been a main joke in the second one that was hidden in the third one, but picked up just enough to be funny. And it was the Viagra joke mm-hmm. where he was that wanting. Was subtle. It was very subtle. It was as they were going away and it was just in the background as something bigger was going on, but it was a funny joke in the con presented. But I feel like that would have been the main joke in, in some kind of main focus with, Men in Black 2, 
and it it would and it it would have come across as a stupid joke because it is a stupid joke, but yep. it's much more similar to Martha Stewart being in the background and you just kind of picking up on it. It's like, oh, <laughs> an alien created Viagra. That's funny. Right. Rather than oh, you're throwing this in my face. Whoa. As opposed to like making like a big 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 deal about like that's a sh- like everybody hold up. I'm gonna make a Viagra joke real quick. Boner joke. This was like <laughs> off camera, <laughs> quiet. Right. Uh, and that's what they did throughout the whole thing. Like they were, they, those kind of jokes were hidden and the, the smarter humor was the focus, which was much appreciated. Fun fun stuff in the background. You know, um, uh, when, uh, when, when Jay goes to Coney Island, it's very blink and you'll miss it, but there's a sign for the amazing talking pug. Mm, uh, Obviously it would be a reference to Frank. Right. right, Um, right. and so like, that's a joke that like, if Men in Black 2, if they if they had this time travel sketch, they would have like actually went and found Frank and talked to him and stuff. This is just just in the background, blinking, you'll miss it. Fun reference. Yeah. Um, and uh, but uh, yeah, this movie's much more. It's, it's hard. So it's so uh, like if this had been Men in Black 2, I think I think I think people would have really loved like this more. Yeah, and and they probably could have done it. I mean, it it would be be basically the same thing. It's like K present K can't remember what happened. But he has to go back and but Jay wants to go back and save him. Do pretty much the same thing. Yeah. But, and Men in Black 2 doesn't play into this movie in any way, really. No. So And I think that uh, they did a better job with the villain too. I think that yeah. I really liked Boris. I thought that he was intimidating. I thought he was pretty uh scary. He felt like an actual threat. Whereas I never really had that from Serlina. Um uh, it was mostly like again it was a focus men in black two was more of a focus of a race against the clock mm-hmm. to get something off of earth and to save it. Whereas this one, he really was caused the destruction. Like he wanted yeah. to set out and do the bad and he was believable, which is humorous because, you know, watching Maine as a comedian musician for many years on the flight of the Concords, he was still funny, but he was able to, he what. I, I mean, he was not a funny villain. He had moments of humor, but he seemed like a pretty believable villain, in my opinion. Yeah. I think a lot of that probably comes down to the, the makeup effects they did for him. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, any actor will tell you, getting in the actual costume does, like, wonders for helping you really, like, yeah. get into the mindset of your character. Mm-hmm. And uh, so probably putting on those glasses and the big thick stuff and the costume probably made him be like, it probably helped him just like go, yeah, I'm a scary alien or whatever his voice is. I can't do it. Um, but yeah, yeah he's great. He was and, and, basically and he scorpion was, shooting spikes out of his hand and had a little lizard or whatever octopus yeah, thing that lived in there. It was pretty crazy bug thing. Yeah, yeah. He was, you know, it's, and it's funny cause it is a ticking clock for this movie too, but the, the full, the, 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 the the punishment for that clock getting to the end is him. Like it's a race against the clock and he's the representation. They're like, you're, they're trying to get to this moment before he gets to this moment. Mm-hmm. So it makes his journey to get there just as important as theirs. Whereas like in men of black two, she's just kind of like trying to hunt. She's, she's following them to get to the thing. Whereas here they're following the bad guy. They're trying to get where the bad guy is before he does. So it makes for a better villain, makes for a better antagonist to the plot. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, 
We had a moment. I had a moment of uh, realization for the Neuralizer. Yeah. When they open up the movie, you know, I don't remember what scene it was going on, but he had to zap somebody. And they were at the Chinese restaurant and they had to zap all those people. How'd I get them to just hang around? Yeah. Like all those people just hanging around at the scene of the crime, they didn't run away. <laughs> Not one person got away and was like, Nobody oh my God. Away. Oh my goodness. That's been and the thing since the very first one. It's like people are so like, they want to see what happens. They all gather around. Nobody runs away. They all want to see what happens. Ladies and gentlemen, if you look right here. Boy, I'd be I running. Like, I liked it when when Jay says the whole thing about this is why we tell you not to have your phones on in the plane. Yeah, yeah. Stuff this like is what you get. <laughs> he hey, was now real sexy. Now your GPS ain't going to work. He was real sexy with his uh, neuralizer stories this, this round, and it was funny to see him get more like, I, I'm going to use the term agitated because I can't think of a different word, but he would just be like, He was Man, definitely agitated. Yeah. And, and Especially when he got like, pulled over by the cops. Oh, my goodness. That one was my favorite by far. Because you knew he was going to pull over. He was in the 60s, black man in a nice car, racist white people pull right. him over. And then he tricked them into neuralizing themselves. And then when he spun around and just said, just because you see a black person in a nice car doesn't mean they stole it. And then there was a beat and he goes, I did steal that one, but that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> you steal that. Delivery of that was so perfect. It was hilarious. Um, I liked how... The neuralizer was at first a giant, giant machine. machine. Yeah. Yeah, the, the 60s neuralizer, yeah. Yeah. The 60s neuralizer was a giant machine. And somehow, it, in the course of a day, it went from a giant machine that you had to get in like an MRI machine to this uh, little the belt pack thing. Yeah. The battery so, pack on it. Yeah, the battery pack on it. Yeah, the, so, the portable neuralizer had not yeah. quite reached peak efficiency at that point. Oh, it was good. They're working on it. Yeah. Always working. And and there's actually, you know, Jay had like a new neuralizer for this one. Like it had gotten even sleeker yeah. in the last 14 years since like Men in Black uh, 2-ish era. Because we actually get like a, we actually get like a real timeline that Jay illustrates. He says, hey, 25 years from now, you're going to recruit me. And then 14 years after that, you're going to get uh, killed by this guy going in the past. And I was like, man, is Men in Black 3 set 14 years? It feels like such a long time yeah. for these characters to have gone on and known each other. And yep. Will does look, Jay looks noticeably older here. Yeah. Um, it's hard to think of Will Smith as not as like, you know, the 90s Will Smith, but he was starting to show it by 2012. I was like, man, Jay's old. <laughs> what, uh, first one came out in 97 or 98 97 I mean that's basically 15 years from yeah. 2012 so I mean it's real time yeah it's just hard to it's just hard to think about yeah yeah they definitely took their time with these movies which again not always a bad thing um, you, you take your time craft a story they did not do that with two um, but they I feel like they did a better job with this one um, again yeah. overall you get to learn more about Kay, which is pretty nice. Um, you see that he was a human, and you get to see, you know, what happened to him, which I get, I, I was torn on that, because that was kind of a big underlying plot point of this movie, of what happened to Kay? 
What shook him yeah. to his core so much that he changed yeah, to he become doesn't share. Like, closed off, doesn't share anything. And I don't necessarily feel like the payoff was believable for what changed him that much. Because I know that in the end, we find out the colonel that got them to the rocket was Jay's father. Yeah. And that he ended up being killed by Boris. That, but I expected something more. I thought Kay was going to be the reason that his dad died or something like that. And I don't feel like it, that it was conveyed in that strong of a way. Um, and, and for him to react that way after having saved Jay, you'd think that he would want to kind of give that presence. I don't know. It just didn't really land for me. That's like the one main critique I have. Is I just didn't find it fully believable why Kay was the way he is when they built it up so much. If I had to say there's one character that I really loved. It was the character of Griffin. Yeah. I thought Griffin was great. And because he just had that benevolent type of personality, he really wanted to help. I was... I was waiting for that moment where he was going to turn evil. Hmm. And like, Griffin was going to turn evil. Yeah. I mean, scary like characters are rare, rare. Characters with that much power seem rarely that benevolent. Yeah. yeah. And, and and the fact that he genuinely wanted to help. Yeah. Like there was there was something about him. And Michael Schumer was great. I will say, he's he's the standout of this movie. Yeah, along with Josh Yeah, for a character with clairvoyance, I thought they actually wrote that really in a fun way, where he was just like he's seeing all these alternate timelines, and he would just say, "I hope this is the one where this happens," or "If this is the one where this happens, and this is about to happen," and like him like going like, "Yeah, I got I, uh, ten seconds. I got twenty seconds," and them like you know like and him going, "Oh no, this is yeah." It, it was just a really fun way to write the character. He seemed in, 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 enigmatic, but not. Uh, hard to understand necessarily so yeah and um in terms of k's uh character change i kind of see where you're coming from garrett um i think that it could have been a it could have been more k's fault i i guess the the idea is just that k feels like he has this bond with jay that he can't share yet hey knock off that bargain he can't share yet. He wants to. <laughs> but, like, he mightn't realize, he might know that, like, I'm not going to be able to share this moment with Jay until Jay do- go- comes back, until Jay does, this happens sometime in the future. And then I can finally be myself with him because I have to let him find out what happened for himself or something like that. Who knows? Because um, they don't make that outright clear. But, um, uh, I thought it was I thought they could have done maybe a little bit more to foreshadow that but I feel like just all of a sudden it comes out of nowhere that uh, Will the Jay's dad is this this guy and um, I obviously they want it to be a bit of a twist in the final moment but it kind of like the honestly the second that Mike Coulter showed up I was like oh that's gonna be Jay's dad See, like, I didn't see that coming. I was like, there's I no did. other, I mean, call me, call, call it racist. I don't know. There was no, there's, there's, there's. I don't think we need to call it that. 
It's like a suddenly prominent black actor appears at the. But he wasn't prominent at the time. I mean, he was not Luke Cage at this point in time, no, and that's what like, he's pretty well known for. In this movie, we've seen like two other black men in the entire movie. So and like none of and and this is the only one who would fit that bit. And I don't know. It just I was just like, this is gonna be this is gonna be Jay's dad. And then sure enough, it was. And I was like. Yeah, I didn't really see that coming. I thought it, was, it surprised me a little bit um, that they were all there. I think what surprised me the most was the fact that Jay was there. Maybe that's what surprised me the most. Mm-hmm. Not so much that that turned out to be his dad, but the fact yeah. that he was there and met Kay and then yeah. got neuralized himself as a kid. I think that really caught me off guard. I was not expecting that. And from a story perspective, it makes perfect sense that at some point Jay was going to interact with his own personal past yeah. Uh, so I can see why you would assume that this character would be at least somehow related to him. Right. Yeah. And uh, because even like the son of the guy who invented the time travel machine says, oh, that means you were there. <laughs> That's why you can remember everything because you were there or why you don't forget it exactly. He goes, you got to tell me all about it. Um, the interesting element that they don't really get into is so does K know K I guess K has known this all this time. Is that play into him recruiting Jay to be in the men in black to start with? Probably. I would assume so. Because they, he, because I mean, understandably he, he acts like it's the first time he's ever seen met or even knows who James is in the first men in black movie. Uh, Because obviously they didn't have this story in place. Um, So is that the story that like K just, recruited him has been watching him all this time for like the, these past you know 25 years and then eventually goes and finds uh goes and you know like goes and like watches him and he just happens to to run across an alien plot oh how fortunate this kid that i you know have been watching over all this time i can recruit now into men in black it's, it's uncertain but yeah. interesting if so yeah yeah it could be i don't know if he was watching him so much as it was maybe just like one of those serendipitous cosmic coincidences that they cross paths at this time in the past and then meet again in the future. Mm. But you would also think that it would only make sense for K to not, or to for K to act like he doesn't know Jay because he neuralized him. So to have that kind of, he has to go along with that particular aspect of the story. Jay doesn't know who he is. He doesn't remember that. Right. And K knows that he's a piece can't be like, hey, you remember that time I was there when your dad died? Kay's also been neuralized a time or two over the years, so that's true. Maybe that just maybe that memory never came back. Yeah, <laughs> you got to think that not everything came back. Yeah, right. that's very true. maybe something from 1969 just wasn't gonna make it. Maybe he neuralized himself at the end of that day. Could be. Yeah. If I although had to see that kind of stuff, I would realize myself. Although he seems to remember it just fine in True. the uh, when he's when he's like telling Kay to stay away. A pretty neat scene, I think, before uh, uh, before they go back in time is when Kay is like gets his gun ready and he's sitting at his door. You know, he's like sitting in his in his living room, like waiting for Boris to show up, take him out, and then like the timeline changes. Yeah. And, like, and and everything disappears i thought that was a really cool element because you know if you don't know about the time travel it's leading you to go one way and then it goes a totally different way 
if you even and then if you know about the time travel element you're thinking like oh man he was he was you know he didn't even know like they didn't know that was going to be their last conversation i don't know it's interesting yeah so i really like the way that they handled time travel in this movie because you see it happen in real time like you knew that boris was going to go back in time he had mentioned that he was going to go back in time kill okay before he shot off his arm um so you knew something was going to happen, but the way they set it up was really unexpected because you didn't see any of it. And I really like that. You see Kay getting ready, prepared for Boris to just barge in and kill him there. And then all of the sudden he's zapped out of existence and Jay feels it. Something within Jay has changed. And he's the only one that remembers Kay being old and it really just kind of shows again i know that he goes back in time and is there for this and that's end up being why he remembers everything but it also really just shows the connection that those two have built over time that jay feels basically there's a disturbance in the force and that something is wrong mm-hmm. with k and so he goes to work um you see will arnett and he's like who are you and he's like i'm your partner i'm batman and he's talking about K, and the only person at the agency who knows about K is Agent O because they work together as youngins. And she lets him, like, tells him the story of all of this stuff. But because he's able to talk about, you know, uh, that coffee tastes like dirt because it was ground this morning, like those types of things, she's able to piece it together. Oh, you went back in, or you time traveled, or something happened back in time. You have to yeah. go back. Like, and then, you know K. Yeah. It's and not just a matter of, like, you vaguely know him. You know him. Yeah. Those things he said. And the whole aesthetic of a literal time jump. It's just, they handle it in a way that I'd never seen before, and I think it was really smart to set up the disappearance of K without it being seen. You don't need to see Boris go back in time because he already did it. Yeah. Or he already said what he wanted to do. And so that gave you this moment of unexpected, whoa, I was not ready for that. I expected a fight. And then, no, boom, just gone. I thought it was really yeah. smart. Yeah, the mystery of how he succeeded is more interesting than actually seeing it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I agree with Andrew. Also, I really liked Griffin. Um, thought he was a wise old bird. Um, I thought it was clever. I, I really, my favorite of his, like, different futures, he go, when they landed the jetpacks, and he goes, I'm so glad this isn't one of the times we exploded. And Jay went, one of the times. One of the times. <laughs> but he was just this, uh, you know, overarching uh, presence of joy, even though he went through so much crazy. He was always so positive mm-hmm. with everything. And then that moment where he separated himself and goes, I just can't bear to watch this part. You knew something was going to happen, but it also, I also expected him to die because there's another scene where he's talking to Jay and says, you know, where there is death, there will always be death. So I have expected him to sacrifice himself in order for K and Bay to successfully execute sending the ARPNET into space and deploying it and saying K and getting rid of Boris. So um, I'm glad he didn't die. I just really expected him to. Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, the- concept of the character the way they utilized him he's very uh he has an innocent quality about him 
it kind of reminded me. Um, I, I can ima- I could imagine this type of character on like Star Trek. Um, obviously, they would use it in the show a little differently, but just this character that just kind of knows what's going to happen. Or all it's all like possible. It's like if Q weren't a jerk. Yeah, yeah, he's like it's, yeah. he's a member of the Q continuum. He knows what's going to happen. He has sort of this om- omniscient knowledge of uh, of of any outcome, but there's an innocence about him of like he's looking forward to seeing what it will be. And um, he takes particular interest in Earth stuff. It's great, like him wanting to watch the 69 or 70 Mets, you know, uh, win the World Series, you know, um, those type of things. It's, there's, a, there's a charm about it that I didn't expect because I didn't even know going in that this character was an element. And um, uh, it, was, it was really... It, and it's always fun to have a character who knows more than the main characters but doesn't spill it for the audience. Yeah. Um, that's always a that's always an interesting uh I don't want to say it's always an interesting character type to bring in is the is sort of the character who has the wisdom of what's going to you know the wisdom but doesn't necessarily uh ruin it for everybody. Um what did you guys think of uh Agent O for what she for 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 what there is of her? I wish we could have gotten a little more. Uh, uh, yeah, I agree. You know, I, I really enjoy Emma Thompson as an actor, and <laughs> her speech at uh, Zed's funeral was hysterical. Mm-hmm. Uh, the w- anyone who can just sit there and make noises like that for that long and and not break character <laughs> is give. Why didn't she get an Oscar for that scene? <laughs> I um, haven't seen. Yeah, yeah. she's great. We know her. She has a great presence, and I I do wish we could have seen a little more of her. Yeah, but you know, yeah, I think she brings a, a, I think she brings a cool different dynamic than say Zed did in the first two movies. Yeah, where she commands that low, same level of authority, but in a much more, I don't know, much more intelligent way. Well, and they um, tease a us intimidating with this, way at times. They tease us with this idea of there being something between. O and K, but we don't get to really see it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just wish we could have explored more, more of her since they were giving us these nuggets anyway. Yeah. yeah. And I know she's going to reappear in Men in Black International, um, being sort of the connective tissue between the two. <laughs> oh, um, she's actually in it. I was thinking that. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we, there's that element. She, so. She'd be in it. <laughs> Yeah, so I, 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 you know, I, I like that aspect. I don't, I doubt that that was their intention when they cast her, but if they ever do pursue more of this Men in Black stuff, it leaves the, it leaves the door open for J and K to meet whatever the names of Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson are. I think it was good to not have Zed in yeah. this movie. Um, Rip Torn hadn't is, passed away at this point. No, he hadn't. Um, but I think that this movie. While it goes back to the original and how it's paced and then the feeling of it, I think it's a different type of movie than the first two. I think Zed is perfect for the leadership that you get in those first two. He's a little more hokey. He's a little more funny. But this is a more personal movie that we get mm-hmm. from the other two. And for her to – I know that Zed and um, A in the movie go back 40 years or however long they work together, but – don't have personal aesthetic that O and K did 
that this whole movie about this movie is a personal movie um not an end of the world movie and i think that she being the one that's in charge fits that aesthetic more than zed does mm -hmm. so i think it was a good change and yeah emma thompson's great i want to talk about one of my favorite scenes then there might not be much to talk about i just want to say that it's one of my favorite scenes the uh the pie scene and the and yeah. Kay's pie talk to Jay. Um, I can't remember what he says, but he's like, "Tell it to the pie" or something like that. You can, you can <laughs> trust the pie. Trust the pie. His whole idea is that you just need to like get away, eat a piece of pie, and it'll solve your problems. Yeah. And that's nice in theory, uh, but it worked this time. And it also got to be used as a point for Kay to sit down and and tell Jay, "Okay." Ask me anything. Let's talk. You always talk about how in the future you don't, you know, you've been a partner, my partner for so long, but you don't even know me. Let's do it. And I like that. And that's another part that I wish we could have gone a little longer too, but. Yeah. Pie is just a weird, was. Pie is a weird uh, reoccurring theme in all these movies. That is where Jay took Patrick Warburton to be neuralized in the first time. I'm sure there's some reference of pie in the first one. But um, it really is just this moment of you need to get away. And, and it's good advice, really. I mean, you focus so much on what's going wrong. Sometimes you have to get away to clear your head. And that's whenever you have your moments of clarity. Um, and, 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 yeah, it was a really yeah. nice connected moment. It led moment. To, to Jay figuring out where to go to find Griffith. So yeah. found him at the game. Those keywords. And we got, about it, we got to find out that Kay eats his pie with cheddar cheese, which is a thing I'm aware of, and I'm also a little grossed out by. Yeah. Uh, apple pie and cheddar cheese, I know, is a thing, and I can't understand why. I feel like that's a Andrew might have an answer to that. He's a he's a connoisseur. He shook his head like he's never heard of it. Have you even oh, heard of that? Hell no. Okay. I, do I don't you recommend know, it, but I know what the thing is done. I would never. Would I, I don't know. The problem cheese. is, I don't know how to try it. You know, I don't want. Take a bite of pie, take a bite of cheese. But then you don't yeah. know what Maybe is the, the ratio. Or, or, or yeah. here, just, how much just cheese? Like a, yeah, how much like cheese? a slice of cheese. Is it a slice of cheese? Is it shredded? Yeah, it was a, I assume it's sliced like a cheddar block. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just, it, yeah, just is it like eaten separately or is it eaten together? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I pictured cake it man myself. laying a slice of cheese on top of the pie. Yes. I don't know. Don't anyway, know about that, was, that. That was one of my favorite moments in the, in the movie. That is that a good best. moment. It is a very good moment. I also uh, liked the scene where the surprise time travel happens, where uh, Jay is fighting old Bruce and they jump off the side of the rocket, and Jay hits the time travel button goes back like 30 seconds so he knows how like what's going to happen in the scene where mm -hmm. he's able to avoid the scorpion style spikes of boris and just push old boris off rather than having both of them go over right. at the same time i thought that was a pretty clever and again something that i didn't see coming because the arm had blown off and so i thought that was uh you know a, a good way to throw a little record thing in there mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, but uh, overall, you know, I think I'm 
it, it's like every element is kind of a better step forward than we really had with Men in Black 2. Um, even down to the uh, unnecessary uh, roles for non-actors. Because uh, I think we had uh, Pussycat Doll and Nicole Scherzinger. Nicole <laughs> Scherzinger was in there, yeah. Breaking out, breaking Boris out. Um, which at first, when I saw her, I was like, oh man, is she going to be in this movie like a lot? I, I actually Luckily thought... Not. That was Kim Kardashian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so are you just now finding out it was Nicole Scherzinger? No. Like oh. when I whenever I first saw it, I'm like, that looks like Kim Kardashian, and kind of looks like her. And I thought uh, uh, the alien that, that she was breaking out, I thought that was Tim Curry. Mm-hmm. So we also yeah. we we talked about some of those more subtle jokes. I'm sure Jermaine Clement would take that as a compliment. Probably compared yeah. to the more blatant ones and i didn't even notice as i'm reading through here i didn't notice that justin bieber and lady gaga make uncredited cameo appearances as aliens on television monitors did anyone yeah, else I didn't know that either i didn't know oh, it was in the background but yeah that's the kind of stuff that you got in men in black one yeah. that they yeah. were really obvious with in men in black two yeah it's the kind of thing where you have to really be looking to see it and if you do see it it probably pays off a lot better because i miss those the one of the one of the really subtle premises is that basically all Canadians are aliens. <laughs> Canada, fair enough. Because like if you pay, you know you look at the background, a lot of Canadians pop up in there. Interesting. <laughs> well, shall we move on to talking about the box office for this yeah. movie, which yeah. I believe is the highest grossing of the franchise? It is. It is. Some so That's you nice. know modern uh, wow. modern numbers are going to play into that a little bit. Just the sure, way... but don't you don't gotta ruin the vibe with your no no. It's true, it's true. They were the 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 real the real the real message here is that in terms of what the studios expected, Men in Black Three was considered a big success. So Men in Black Three debuted May twenty fifth, like we said, Memorial Day weekend in twenty twelve. It finished number one with a three day opening of fifty four point five million dollars. Not bad. It's about. I mean, if you look at just like just the number without looking at the dates, it's uh, pretty dead even with the other two movies because your first movie opened up to 52 million, your second to 51, your third to 54. So if you take away the ideas of, of, of inflation or you know things like that, pretty dead even. You extend that to it's Memorial Day, four day it's Memorial Weekend, four day, uh, and you get 69.4 million. Um, so looking at the uh, what else opened that weekend, Men in Black has the distinct honor of being the movie that knocked uh, Avengers off the number one spot in 2012. Uh, Avengers was in its fourth weekend and finished number two with 36.6 million. At number three, you had everybody's favorite game based on a, a movie based on a board game, uh, not Battleship, starring <laughs> Diana. Uh, Liam Neeson, I think. Who knows? Uh, Peter Berg movie. Uh, that was in its second week with 11 million. You had The Dictator. You guys remember this movie? Yep. No. Sasha Baron Cohen's The Dictator made 9.2 million in its second weekend. And then number five, The Chernobyl Diaries. Did you guys ever see that? Nope. Oh. The Chernobyl Diaries, that's its opening weekend, and it brought in $7.9 million. So in terms of the top five, you really only have two sequels. Um, you know, I mean, I guess it can be a matter of opinion whether or not Avengers is a true sequel or if it's 
a crossover series if it's its own category. But Men in Black 3, The Avengers, the only real two sequels there in the top five. Uh, the next highest grossing sequel on that list is... Gee. Uh, the Journey into Journey to the Center of the Earth 2, which was at number 24 at that time. Um, let me see. Now... Um, uh, Men in Black 3 would finish out with $179 million in the United States over its 16-week run. You add $445 million from overseas to give you a worldwide total of $624 million unadjusted, making it, yes, the highest grossing of the Men in Black franchise. Um, also coming out in 2012, Men in Black 3 would finish uh, fairly low compared to its predecessor movies, Men in Black 3 finished in the number 14 spot worldwide at $179 million. Uh, the number one movie that year was, 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 as you might figure, Marvel's The Avengers. Number two, The Dark Knight Rises. Number three in the highest grossing uh, original, or uh, uh, non-sequel, I guess you, you could say, is The Hunger Games. At number four, Skyfall. And at number five, The Hobbit, An, un- an Unexpected Journey. The highest-grossing original concept movie that year was uh, *Brave*, um, followed just behind by *Ted*. Um, the movie that was just narrowly ahead of *Men in Black*, so like *Men in Black* finished number fourteen, just ahead of it is one of my more favorite movies from twenty twelve, uh, uh, Steven Spielberg's *Lincoln*. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, oh, and then yeah. just ahead of that, you have *Wreck It Ralph*. Uh, which I'm going to wreck movie, it. Which is a movie we've uh, we've reviewed in the past. True. Um, total, we have reviewed uh, uh, quite a few movies from 2012. We did Avengers. We did Dark Knight Rises. Like I said, we did Wreck-It Ralph. Also coming out in 2012, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol. Um, it's a good year for sequels. It was. It was a very good year for sequels. Good years for movie in general. Um, at the Oscars, this was the year Argo won Best Picture. Um, other movies that were nominated that year, Amore, Beast of the Southern Wild, Django Unchained, Les Mis, Life of Pi, uh, Lincoln, like we mentioned, Silver Linings Playbook, and Zero Dark Thirty. So overall, not a bad year for movies. Where Django Unchained land on the overall total? For oh, the year? Uh, hang on, I can. Was it in the top ten? It was not in the top ten. Really? Django Unchained finished. It, it did make over a hundred million. Yeah. Well, let's see here. Fine. Um... Jingle so Chain finished, oh, just behind Men in Black at number 15. I should have said Oh, saw wow. I, I, I assumed it looked past it. It made $162 million domestically. Wow. Um, I'm surprised. So not, really, not really bad. It's, it's lower than you would huh. think, but, you know, it's one of the 20, or excuse me, it's one of the 31 movies that finished over $100 million that year. Mm. So, pretty good year. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah. That's really it. No, sure. other real special, uh, no other real special stats to throw out for Men in Black 3. Um, other than they were really impressed with this and they wanted to green light a fourth one. Um, both Tommy Lee Jones and, uh, Will Smith were interested in a fourth one and, uh, development they tried for a while, but, um, it would ultimately be another seven years before we would get another installment in the men in black franchise. One thing I haven't talked about that I want to jump on real quick is the uh, 21 Jump Street Men in yeah. Black crossover that was originally pitched. Yes. Uh, I still wish I could have seen it. Yeah. It would have been, I feel like it would have been interesting. I don't, re- I've not seen any of the, the Jump Street movies, but so I love the, funny. Yeah, I love the directors. Uh, I love 
uh, Jonah Hill. Yeah, these guys I have grown. I have grown to very much enjoy Channing Tatum. Uh, he, if you just lean into him being in a, a, a fool most of the time, like I, I quite enjoy him. Um, and I, I, I was pretty against it because I was like, how does that even make sense? But I'm all for it, especially if international is as bad as I'm expecting it to be. I would at least love to see like a concept video. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, you know how they made that test footage for Deadpool? And mm-hmm. it, like after it was released to the world, it instantly got fast tracked. Yeah. I would love to just see concept footage of what that's supposed to look like. They have even got as far as a title. People were writing for this movie. It got to MIB 23. Yeah. I don't know what would have happened, why they, you know, what, what inspired that, that idea, but. Right. And then the real travesty is that we did not get a Will Smith song for this. We got a Pitbull song, which is just whew, so bad. I know. It was not something I enjoyed. No. Definitely compared to a uh, Will Smith song. Yeah. We got a better movie for it, though. So we I'll, did get a better I'll movie. Take, got a better I'll movie. take that trade. Fair, fair. I got to have a bad two-and-a-half-minute Pitbull song for a good hour-and-a-half Will Smith Men in Black movie. Yeah. Sign me up. Because at least you can walk out of the Yep, I, I turned <laughs> off the credits. <laughs> it was not necessary. Yep. Okay. Well, shall we play our letterbox game now? Yep. Garrett won or uh Yeah. Andrew won last week. No, no don't give him that victory. Garrett won because you uh you price is right at Andrew. That's got right. It. Exactly. I got him. righty. So based on letterboxed a review of 66,358 people. Where do we think? Close to the last one. Is it? Where do we think Mm -hmm. this movie falls? 3.4. for Andrew. 3.2. I will say... I will say 3.0. 3.4 for Andrew, 3.2 for Jersh, 3.0. Thir- no, 3.2. No, no, no. I'm Not sorry. Two. The movie's better than that. 3.0 for David. According to the Letterboxd, you, Mr. David, are the closest. And by closest, I mean exactly right with 3.0. Woo! Uh, Dead three. Dead ringer. Cool. 21,927 other people also gave this movie a 3.0, which is... Is this on anybody's favorite movie lists? Do you have access to that information? (laughs) There are 16 fans of this movie. That's it. That's it. There are 16 people who put this up there. Wow. Um, That's an interesting stat. We should should do that one from now on because that's kind of like... That's kind of of interesting. It is kind of interesting. Nobody has any. I, I was going to pick one of them and uh, read one of their reviews, but they don't have any reviews. Just uh, a lot of four and a half stars and hearts, but no actual reviews that I can read. So sorry, folks. If you had one, I'd read it, but they don't. Has Arch reviewed this movie? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Let me see. Our patron, Arch. He's reviewed. So we've, we've read some of his reviews in the past. He's on Letterboxd as well. I do not see him on the list. I see a couple of reviews. I'm um, talking about for the for the fans. 
Oh, for those six people of the sixteen people that have done it, yeah, yeah. There are obviously reviews, but I I was just gonna pick one of the people who said it was one of their favorite four movies. Mm, they like it so much they couldn't review it. I see how I it is. Mm-hmm. So, what do we give this movie? I, I give it a three point five. Yeah, I think I'll I'll, I'll second with a three point five because I like this movie. Uh, I think I like this movie about equal to the fourth, but I think, or I'm sorry, not the fourth, uh, equal to the first, but I think the first, just because of its, I think nostalgia just boosts the first one by by a full half star. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I I gave the first one four stars, so I give this one three. I think I gave the first one four and a half. I can't remember, but I'm also, I'm going to give this one a four. Like, I really like the personal connection. I like the villain. It's such a, vast improvement of the second one mm. and uh i gotta I'm, I'm gonna give it a four i'm gonna give it a three and a half i agree with david i think i like it just about as much as the first so i'm gonna give them both the same score yeah and that makes our so many sequels review 3.6 3. 3.6 so all right probably just round down to 3.5 i assume probably easier yeah. to do that they don't let you do .6, .7s on your personal score. No, and I wish they did because we are just that kind of annoying people. <laughs> I want to make it precise. It's exactly. It's frustrated for our for our our our, our, our what uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, coalesced score. Right. It's frustrating for that reason. But are they getting rid of the stars? By the way. On Letterboxd, I thought I saw uh, an update saying that they were oh. going to like they were going to make them flames instead of stars. They did for Portrait it's, of a Lady yeah. on Fire. Portrait of a Lady on Fire. When you rate that movie, it is fire instead of stars, and that's the only one I've seen do that. So I think it might just be a cute little thing they did for that movie. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, that that uh, it's I been like one of the that. yeah, it's fun. I think I saw that it's been one of the more popular reviewed movies on the site, so I think they were just doing something for the fans. That would be cool if somebody took the time to basically do what so many sequels used to do and rank based on weird things that are yeah. connected to the movie. Like if, if you could rate Avengers by Infinity Stones or yeah. if you could rate, you know, <laughs> Halloween movies by Slasher Knives, you yeah. know, that type of stuff. That'd be really neat, but that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> it does. I'm sure someone could do it, though. All right, well, so next oh. week... David will run the game when we talk about Men in Black International. Maybe. Uh, yep. I think, <laughs> talk about... I think you're the only one that's seen that, Josh. I think I am. You're the only I one hope... with a pre-watch. I'm kind of hoping that you all will like it more than you think just because I've tore it down so much. Yeah, I, I, I kind of worried about that. I was like, you know, Josh has made my expectations so low for this. I'm going to walk away going, oh, man. You know, if that happens, then I'll, you can thank me. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, I don't think people are going to like it. I really just, I don't. You might think it's not as bad, but it's going to be your least favorite of the series. I guarantee it for all of you. Mm. Andrew gave the last one a one. That's true. Andrew gave Man in Black Andrew, two. watch. <laughs> you ain't seen so, nothing yet. Let's put that on notice and let's see how he changes his score for Men in Black 2. Yeah. Okay. Well, so that finishes or wraps up this episode. You can find us online at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, YouTube, 
I always forget that one. But Patreon. We've not done a lot on it yet, but we're going to do more YouTube. And yes, Patreon. Yes, check uh, us somebody, out. please be Arch's friend. <laughs> we need another patron. We're trying to grow the community. We know there's people yeah. out there listening. We know you oh, like yeah. Get on, get on our, check out our Facebook, comment, let us know. You know, we got a great video right now with you guys playing some trivia. Let yes. us know. Uh, you know what? No, we got more where that came from. I'll even give you a hint. All right. The, the first video, name a movie that starts with B. Let us know what Garrett and Andrew missed and Josh. Missed a lot. These men couldn't think of Bad Santa. Go think of another B movie. <laughs> we did not think of Bad Oh, we didn't think of B movie. No, no that was the first thing B Andrew movie. said, yeah. Oh, did he? Andrew said yeah, B yeah. movie. I just no, said there was him. Bad Santa. Bad Santa. As you shouldn't. Bad Santa. Somebody, said, ba- somebody yeah. said basketball. That was one yeah. that came to me afterwards. Listen, it's so easy when you're not the one playing. Yeah, you I turn was, that timer on the 10 seconds and see I what I was happens. playing. The timer was running when I was yelling at you. <laughs> well, maybe we need to play it play it through this Zoom thing sometime soon. Ooh, uh, yeah. That could be interesting. Get more, it, get more videos. Ooh, that not much latency. You know, hey, like we were talking about, hop on Patreon, help us reach $15, because if we do that, then we can like start using. Uh, we can we can upgrade to 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 Zoom Premium. True. Do more. Yeah. We can record for longer. <laughs> yeah. Do more and do more uh, more more interactive stuff. And speaking of which, we're running out of time on this Zoom meeting, so we we do got to wrap it up. But like I said, find us online. Listen to us wherever you get your podcasts: iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Soundstooth, uh, all of those great apps have our show on it. And if you listen on iTunes, you should write and review because that helps us out as well. Um, that's it. We'll be back next time with Men in Black International. Till next time. Shut up, Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good ending right there. That is a good ending.